Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Weekly Podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, February 24th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to share their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer. Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Connor Cloting, Senior Lead Equity Analyst. And as a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. And if you have any questions, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news for the shortened week, given we had the Monday President's Day holiday, we'll start off with the Wednesday release of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting minutes from the February 1st meeting, which indicated that the Fed believes they'll need to continue to raise rates and keep them there higher for longer. So we'll talk to Rajiv about that and the implications for future rate increases and Fed policy. On Thursday, we had the second estimate for the fourth quarter 2022 real GDP number that came in at 2.7%, which was revised slightly lower than the advance estimate that came out last month at 2.9%. So that overall number continues to be positive in terms of an overall number within the estimate for the fourth quarter of GDP. Also on Thursday, initial unemployment claims for the week prior ended at 192,000, which continues to remain very consistent and under the 200,000 watermark in terms of overall jobs remaining fairly robust with us not seeing that increase in initial unemployment claims that we might have expected if the economy were continuing to deteriorate. And finally, just this morning, consumer spending for January was up 1.1% overall, which was a good number. And we also got the numbers regarding personal consumption's expenditure inflation reads, where we saw a 0.6% increase for the month of January, which was also matching the core, excluding food and energy at 0.6%. If we look at the same numbers year over year, we see a 5.4% number for January for the overall PCE inflation, which was up from December by one-tenth of a percent, and the core was also up 4.7%, again, excluding food and energy, which was also higher than the previous month's read in December of 4.6%, again, probably causing worries in the market because we're expecting to see declines, and we're actually seeing the number tick up month over month. So, With all that being said, let's turn to Rajiv for his read on the FOMC minutes that were released this week and what those implications might be for ongoing Fed increases, especially the upcoming March meeting. Rajiv? Thank you, Brian. And yes, there were FOMC meeting minutes this week. They were released this week, and uh, we learned a few things. Uh, The minutes were pretty much what the market expected and what the market already knew. But uh, I found a few key takeaways from there, and uh, it, it... It's definitely inflation front and center for the Fed, and it makes uh, inflation the most important topic for the Fed rather than the recession. If you look at the minutes, and uh, somebody did some analysis and counted how many times in the minutes that uh, they mentioned inflation versus recession, and I think recession was in the single digits, and uh, and inflation was in the triple digits. So they really, really focused on inflation. And I think that the point is that the Fed still views that inflation is unacceptably high, 
and the Fed members expect that a period of below trend growth in real GDP will be needed to bring <clears throat> demand in balance with supply. That's the only way inflation will come under control. The other important point that we need to note here is the Fed doesn't believe that inflation will hit their 2% target this year and maybe not even next year. So with jobless rates so low, the Fed is, uh, is set to keep going on and raising rates. Almost all Fed members backed the 25 base point rate hike uh, for this last meeting. There were a few members that said we should have a 50 base point rate hike in the last meeting. I think there were about four members that uh, voiced that opinion. But overall, the FOMC minutes were no more hawkish than expected from the last FOMC statement or press conference. However, the market has been gravitating towards the Fed. We talked about this before on, on our podcast and other, other calls as well, that there's a disconnect between what the Fed had been talking about, that we need to keep rates higher, federal funds rate needs to be higher for longer, and the market had started anticipating that the, uh, the Fed would uh, cut rates sometime in the fourth quarter of this year. Now the market is starting to gravitate towards the Fed, and it's something that we have said before too, you can't fight the Fed. The market was really ambitious in January. Everything was rallying. And I think the market really felt that the Fed is going to slow down the pace, which they did, but maybe even cut rates this year. And uh, now the market is gravitating towards the Fed and saying, if you look at the, the market expectations now, there are no Fed uh, rate cuts this year in the, in the market expectations. And in fact, the market is gravitating to a federal uh, a terminal fund, Fed funds rate that's above what, what the Fed has said in their last uh, summary economic projections. So this makes the March meeting all the more important. We need to see the uh, summary of economic projections in March. We need to see if the Fed is uh, talking about any rate cuts, which I don't think they will. But I think that uh, what one thing we mentioned is when there's a disconnect between the market and the Fed, you're going to see volatility, and we saw that, and we saw that in the in in the form of what's happened to the yield curve. If you look at the ten-year yield, we're up almost 50 basis points in the last three weeks. The two-year yield is up almost 60 basis points. So the two-year is now exactly where we were in November 7th. There were a lot of people that thought that we may have missed a rally, and things will continue to to rally this year. I feel that we have gone too far too too quick in January. We're giving a lot of that back now and it's coming more in line with where we need to be. The market has pretty much locked in two 25 basis point rate hikes for the next two meetings, and now the probability of a rate hike in June is 75%. If we went to back to February 2nd, nobody thought we were gonna have a Fed rate hike in June. So things are moving, but I think inflation is front and center. Yeah, Rajiv, I think that's, uh, that's a great summary, and it's really remarkable to see how much the market has changed in a short period of time. You mentioned just some of the changes in outlook in the last three plus weeks or so. It's pretty remarkable. I think it kind of supports our, our thesis that unfortunately it's kind of this moment where, where good news now is bad news. There was a time when we when you were talking about the fact that the Fed was likely to try and maybe or the market was thinking the Fed might actually cut rates. They were kind of anticipating that bad news would be good news, meaning that the, the narrative at the time was the recession might be at our doorstep uh, and that would cause the Fed to pivot and start cutting rates. So therefore bad news was good news. But as we've been arguing, I think probably pretty consistently for the past month and a half or so, is that good news is bad news, meaning that the economy seems to be almost regaining momentum. Um, you know, notwithstanding the fact that interest rates have been uh, jacked up pretty high, the housing market uh, was hit the hardest. Although, from what I saw, we talked about this, I think the prior two calls, you know, the the housing market actually 
has picked up a little bit. It's still uh, it's still down quite a lot, uh, but the the rate of change anyway, the inflection has been somewhat positive. So it's off a low base and moving a little higher. Uh, also this week, the services sector report was out, and I think not only in, in the United States, but pretty much about I think eight of the twelve major countries around the world that report this kind of information that look at service level activity. Uh, suggested a strengthening, meaning that their 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 growth outlook anyway had improved, uh, and so that's that's a pretty nice turn as well. And then this morning to kind of put the capstone on it, I guess, was that the the PC report, the the inflation indicator that the Fed themselves talks about as one they watch most closely, actually was hotter than expected. So we've got kind of this triumvirate of economic data releases that suggest that the economy is gaining momentum again. I guess I wonder if the, if you think that the the Fed is it seems like they're having maybe some second thoughts about um, raising rates as, as little as they did. I don't know if that's really going to be the, the argument going forward, but it seems to me that it's going to be more higher and and, and probably higher interest rates uh, for longer. What point do you think, Rajiv, we have to start thinking about maybe six percent instead of just the the traditional, you know, the old old benchmark of five five and a half percent on the, uh, the, the on the terminal rate? Do you think six percent is likely? It's a great question, George. And, and you know what? It's so funny because uh, two weeks ago, nobody ever thought 6% was likely. And we had a couple of economic releases that uh, really pushed the market in a sense that market expectations started saying, okay, inflation's a little more sticky than they thought. Um, and and that, well, that blockbuster jobs number that came out as well. There were a couple of releases that really made the market start to, to change and start to think towards the Fed. But I do think that the, the most important thing is now the market feels that the, the Fed uh, terminal rate is going to be higher than what the Fed is saying. The Fed was talking about five and a quarter. And now if you look at market expectations, we're having these conversations about 6%. We're having these conversations about at least close to uh, five and a half, maybe five and three quarters. So again, that makes the March meeting very important because if, if the summary economic projections come out in March, and the Fed says, okay, we're sticking with five and a quarter, then I think we rally at that point. Because now we've kind of given up a lot of that momentum that we had in January. And I really feel that uh, 6% is not off the table as a, as, a, as a place to be because inflation is coming down, but not fast enough for the Fed. And the Fed has continuously said, we're not gonna change the goalpost. We're going for a 2% target. And they're gonna, they're gonna keep rates longer until we get there. So I think the other story or other milestone this week has to do with the unfortunate fact that we're now one year into the war in Ukraine. And I'm kind of looking back at things we wrote when that first happened. And one thing that was kind of noteworthy, I think, that, that's kind of transpired is that, frankly, um, the overall geopolitical landscape has really changed quite dramatically. You know, the idea that we now have a stronger Western alliance. I mean, there's a lot of changes underneath the, the hood with respect to how different countries respond to these type of things. You know, it wasn't that long ago where you wouldn't see countries want to engage in this type of activity, and, and now they are. Germany, for example, is rearming. Other countries in the Scandinavian region are actually trying to participate in, in certain activities to try and stand up against Russia. And so I think geopolitically, it's really a very fraught situation. But I also noted that, you know, a year ago, we talked about the fact that the economy was on a pretty good footing in the sense that earnings, actually corporate earnings, were uh, we just kind of finished the, the first quarter earnings last year, and they were quite strong. I think we noted about 80% of the companies that um, reported earnings at that time beat numbers. This time, the outlook doesn't, or maybe the backdrop isn't quite as supportive. And and Connor, maybe I could throw it to you to get your thoughts about earnings and that what we've seen so far this quarter that just ended here in 2023. 
Sure, sure. Thanks, George. So I, I guess with earnings season wrapping up, there's there's a few key themes that we we took out of it. Um, while while the fourth quarter earnings were important to see how the companies reported, but it was more related to the guidance setting for 2023. It's most companies in the first couple months of the year give their 12 month outlook for for the upcoming year. So so a few of the key themes are one, you know, we're seeing margin protection taking um, center stage at this point. Uh, namely, you can see that from the headlines and the big tech companies with layoffs, things of that nature, where you know, before these companies you know, had a mantra, growth at any cost, and now that mantra with higher interest rates has, has shifted to, you know, we, we want to continue to grow, but we're going to you know, rein in our costs to make sure our margins uh, stay higher. So that's that's one key point that we've we've seen. Uh, the next is um, uh, to the point that you brought up, George, was just um, guidance and earnings were better than feared. I think people, you know, thought maybe the sky would be falling going into the earnings this this year. And while you know, earnings estimates for the upcoming year continue to trend lower, you know, maybe not as low as people would have expected um, you know, coming into the year. And, and that can be kind of, but the caveat to that is, you know, companies uh, bottoms up estimates for, for the S&P 500 are showing a decline in the first half of 2023 at negative two and a half percent, while the back half of the year earnings are expected to grow 0.8%. So, um, so we, we see a little bit of this, you know, maybe kicking the can down the road where, you know, they can, they don't have as much visibility into the back half of the year, um, so you know, we're going to wait wait more of our earnings growth till um, to next year or to the back half of this year. Uh, and, and then the last piece, um, kind of on on that point, is just the the views um, among management teams within the same sector or industry have you know been varying quite widely uh, from what we view we're used to seeing. So you'll you'll see a lot of companies just not not having a good idea of what's going to happen, you know, over the next 12 months with the consumer with with costs and with pricing power. So you know, we we've seen quite a dispersion in 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 these outlooks. So I think that's giving the market some confusion and pause at this point, but um overall, you know, we 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 think that companies that have good quality you know, customers and in relationships will continue to do well, um, regardless of the the exterior factors um, in the in the market. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fairly great summary in the sense that you know there is a lot of uncertainty, and it's not surprising to see people and then companies kind of push out their expectations to the back half because they just frankly don't have the visib visibility that they had probably a few months ago, and that's probably again the overriding theme. That we've seen this year that's certainly been the case um, given the situation in ukraine again a lot of geopolitical uh, tensions that we could rise uh, rise up is kind of a contributing factor to that but i think overall i guess this is just a, a time to be pretty diverse to be very diversified i should say not pretty but very diversified in your portfolio uh, manage your risk exposures um, um, very tightly at the same time you know take a take a take a look at a quality company right quality companies are going to be able to endure this uncertainty and that's one thing that you connor have been preaching for a long time as is steve and our equity portfolios same thing for you Rajiv, is just emphasizing quality 
Um, and that doesn't always work. You know, we've actually seen low quality companies outperform so far this year. Uh, but I think that that sentiment is going to be changing. So I think we really want to emphasize fundamentals and emphasize quality going forward in this, um, this environment. Well, George, Rajiv, and Connor, thanks for providing your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.